Hello there. You're listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast for early July 2016. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Grim 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 Grimoire. Grimoire? I think I got it right. Grim Grimoire, not my game of the week. Uh, my name is Brandon Kikowski Schnell, and my game of the week is not Mighty Mega Man Number Nine. Mighty Number No, it's just Mighty Number Nine. He doesn't even put Mighty the word Mega nine. Man in there. It's probably because yeah, if Capcom published it. Did Capcom publish Mighty Number Nine? I don't know if anybody published it. It seems like from all the problems they had, somebody just flung it out from <laughs> behind a dumpster. <laughs> it's a cautionary tale about <laughs> the about not having a publisher. They um, went the Seven Eleven shareware doom yeah. route for that one. <laughs> Uh, uh, real quick, I want to say, in case anybody's listening and knows this sort of thing, I'm well aware that that was not J-pop that you just I heard. was just going to ask you, was that J-pop or K-pop? Well, how do you know that? Oh, my God. So I just, before we recorded, was, was blown away. I mean, you're, the breadth of your knowledge about music uh, is stupefying. <laughs> Why would you I know, know enough to be dangerous. I know enough of a little things to sound like I know enough about a lot of things. And then I just stop talking. I nod sagely. But why would you know that that's K-pop and not J-pop? I don't know. It just didn't sound like J-pop. Oh, my God. Well, if you know, then I guess... Every... So, yeah, I don't own any J-pop. That's a, that's a Korean band, uh, girl band named Kara, who I actually like a lot, and I don't own any J-pop. So the closest I have is K-pop. So I just figured I'd play that and just, you know, I'm a dumb white guy, Korean, Japanese, Chinese. I just played it, and it's the closest I can come up with as far as music that might be appropriate for a Vanillaware podcast. So, there you go. All right. I like uh, Brandon Kukowski Schnell, let's talk Vanillaware because you and I have been playing their latest game. But before we get into that latest game, what is your background with their games? How far back do you go with these guys? Um... Well, my my I, so here's a weird thing about me, and I don't know why I do this, but it has come in handy in this situation. I actually so I rent games from GameFly, and I keep every email uh, <laughs> that I get when a game ships just to have a record right. of what did I play. And my uh, goes back to the original Odin Sphere in 2008, which I rented for the PS2, but yet I remember starting it and not getting very far in it, and I I don't know why. But uh, in terms of substance, um, I played Muramasa on the Wii, I played it on the Vita, and I played um, Dragon's Crown on the Vita, although I also stopped playing that and I can't remember why. Um, and now um, Odin Sphere, the Left Razor, however Yeah, let's hear you try that word. Left Razor, maybe? You're left not Razor? Left the, I think you have life? to put a sort of a Scandinavian snap like on a, it, and here's like how I say guttural? it. Yeah, yeah, try this. Okay. Odin Sphere, Liftrasser. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You, you, you sort like of that. imagine you're in the prow of one of those galleys with a bunch of slaves yeah. rowing it, and the, you're, you're heading over to pillage uh, the, the United Kingdom somewhere. Yeah, with the guy from the Warcraft movie who's over in that, also in that movie. Travis Fimmel, who you turned me on to. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah you just pretend Ragnar you're Travis Fimmel, and you say, wait, Crosshair. Right, exactly. There you go. I like it. <laughs> uh, well, do you, know, do you know about this game called Grim Corn? Yeah. Grim 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 yeah, yeah. It sounds really familiar. In fact, when you when you said that wasn't your game of the week, I it 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 sparked some brief memory, but I I'm not uh, familiar at all. Well, it is a Vanillaware game. They co-developed oh, okay. it with uh, Nipponichi, who those are like the Disgaea folks. Uh, yep. And it's a real-time strategy game. That those Disgaea folks, they do not mess around. I have tried some of their real-time strategy. I tried Disgaea. I want to say it was three, maybe, yeah. and that that ain't no joke. Like those cats, they know how to. Party. I can already tell it's not for you if you just called it a real time strategy game. Those are, well, those are that one was turn based. Yeah, yeah. That one was turn based. Yeah, yeah. sorry, uh, but um, well, I think what Gren Grimar was, it, it was taking Nipponichi's uh, their turn based, their sort of strategy bent with the Disgaea games, and I think they did Phantom Brave too, all those things, and they were applying it to the action two D gameplay that Vanillaware does. Uh, okay. Although I think it even predated the original Odin Sphere, um, but they put it together into this cool 2D real-time strategy game where you put units around, and I, I remember, I vaguely remember it, um, but I, it's not available. You can play it on the PS3. You can buy it on the PlayStation Store, but not to run on a PS4, unfortunately. Um, oh, that's weird. So it, I guess it's just it's well, I'm not surprised because it's kind of obscure and it's not. You know, people pick up Vanillaware games for the, the 2D fightiness and actionness of it, I think. So right. to have a 
RTS. Yeah, I'm not that surprised. It's just an obscure, weird little footnote in their history because Miramasa and Dragon's Crown. I think. I mean, I think those both are fairly well known. Uh, yes. And they're both. So you say you you picked up both Odin Sphere and Dragon's Crown way back when. You stopped playing them. You forgot why. Uh, well, I remember on Odin. I remember the original Odin Sphere that it had some significant slowdown problems when a lot ah. of stuff was happening on on the screen. And I, I'm wondering if it was one of those things where maybe I was reviewing other stuff at the time, and then the technical stuff, I just was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll get around to this later. Because I don't think the remake has changed that dramatically. Like, I mean, I know it, it looks better and stuff. I'm not sure um, from and, and from a performance standpoint, it, it seems like it's a lot better. Uh, I mean, I don't. There's things don't slow down, but from a gameplay perspective, I don't know how much is different, and I really like the gameplay. Well, do you know how so, I know that there are differences in the gameplay? Because you played the original. Well, then, I did, but also I'm like you, I forgot it, and I'm positive. If I played the original, I did not get past Gwendolyn's storyline because I I knew that there were like different storylines, and I guess I assumed there were different characters, but I didn't know how much the gameplay gets mixed up. And you and I are both at the same place, but I think once you I don't think you can fully appreciate what Odin Sphere does until you get to the Mercedes stuff. And that's a good yeah. eight, ten hours in, maybe? Maybe not. That yeah, long. yeah. I mean, you, you can – I spend – I mean, I'm playing uneasy because I'm a big wuss. Uh, but I even just exploring everything, it's easily 45 minutes per chapter. Yeah. And each chapter has a you know a prelude, I think five or six chapters, and then an epilogue. So. And that's a weird – that's a, uh, an, an, an interesting game design decision uh, to – have all this variety, but to not show it to the player until later in the game. Like, when you play Diablo, you pick whether you're going to be the, I don't know, the, the, the wizard or the Amazon or the barbarian right off the gate. You can play any one of them. When you play Odin Sphere, nope, you're playing the Valkyrie. Then you're playing the Puka. Then you're playing right. Mercedes. And each of them is, feels, some more than others, is a very different kind of gameplay. They're different skill trees. Uh, but you have to play through one before you get to the other. So... Probably what happened to me with Odin Sphere, the original one, is I played part of the Gwendolyn stuff and maybe got pretty far into it and thought, okay, that's fine. I've seen what I need to see, and then I moved on, not realizing mm-hmm. what all the different storylines. Oh are yeah, to do. yeah, um, yeah. Because I think Odin Sphere, I can imagine someone picking it up, playing it for three, four hours, and then thinking, eh, whatever, cute, but I'm done, and not really appreciating right. what it does. And that's the intriguing design decision: is that right. some of the really cool, awesome stuff. You got to pay your game tax before you get to it, um, right? And it's not, and it's uh, yeah, yeah. No, I would agree with that. And, and by game tax, I don't mean like it's necessarily onerous. It's just you've got to put in the time. And right. I, I enjoyed the time. I didn't think of it as, as wasted time or filler. But it's a while before I think you really get to that cool Mercedes. Because once the Mercedes stuff started, I mean, I was just blown away by how different it felt. Uh, oh yeah, no, I mean because you know the first two characters being melee. Uh, I mean, even on easy, I have a hard time getting S's with her because of the way that she's she's different and 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 just the maneuverability of her and Why? such. Yeah, I know. Yeah, suddenly you're not just walking around. It's yeah. Right, right. Well, now before and, so, well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and then also her crossbow, the way yep. you can not be able to use it depending on you know if you if you're spamming the attack button or whatever. I just want to point know, out, you, Brandon, it's an arbalist, not a crossbow. Sorry, I thought she called it a crossbow. Uh, she might have, but her mother, who gave it to her, who should know better, called it an arbalist, I believe. My bad. Do we know why, and I may have missed it, and we may find out later, do we know why her crystal is red, whereas Gwendolyn and, and Cornelius's was blue? So, first of all, they're not crystals, they're ciphers. Uh, and second of all, I think that that, <laughs> I, I know that that's something, because there have been times, what, actually there was one time, I went to a wiki to look something up because I've been avoiding wikis uh, because I don't want things spoiled. But right. one thing I did glimpse, and this isn't a spoiler, is that there is some distinction between the blue and the red ciphers. And I don't know if okay. it's gameplay or narrative, but there is a reason, I'm guessing. Uh, and we okay. may not know it yet. Uh-huh. Because I know Oswald, his is red as well. Uh, is Oswald playable? Ew. Yeah. I don't like him. He's the last guy. Oh, I great. That, I was... I don't like Oswald. He's like a he's like a dippy emo JRPG yeah. character. Yes. Well, let's back up real quick. Uh, I want to talk about some of their earlier games. So Odin sure. Sphere. Oh, I was going to say. You know how I know that the gameplay is different. Oh, right. Yes. When you start up Odin Sphere, there's a, there's an option to play it in classic mode, 
And I was like, right. what? What is that? Oh, that might, that's what I actually looked up. Classic mode is just the original gameplay, but with the updated graphics. So I don't oh. know what it resets or what gameplay is missing, but there is an option to play Odin Sphere without the gameplay. Updates. Classic. Well, which is weird because I, I mean, I looked up on the wiki as well just to try to figure out, like, did I try to play the PS2 version on the PS3 and that there were some technical issues, like trying to figure out why I, and they, they basically just said, yeah, the new one's got updated graphics, but. And, and apparently some gameplay things in the end. Uh, I, yeah. I love that it is somehow exceptional for you to play partway through a game and then stop. Because that's my experience with uh, probably 90% of the games that I play. Uh, yeah, that is that is that is more... Uh, for you, it's a, conspicuous. A game that you don't finish. You remember that. Yeah, Yeah, just like books. I, I actually... Like, if I hate a book, I have to hate a book yeah. to not finish it. Same here. Because it, it, could, it, could it could turn around. It could be. It's not even that. I just it's it's more like a pride thing, which is silly because it's my own free time. I should you know, <laughs> I should be able to make that decision. It's okay, anyway. to put down a book, Brandon. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I just uh, actually wait, we'll do that on the book podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Dragon's Crown uh, mm-hmm. they they did after, uh, although technically Miramasa was on the Wii after First. the original Odin Sphere. You played it on the right. Wii. I did, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you obviously liked it because I know you revisited mm-hmm. it on the Vita. Um, yes. What can you see in uh, Miramasa? Here's a softball question for you. What DNA from Odin Sphere can you see in Miramasa? Um, well, a, a few things. Um, I mean, Miramasa only has two playable characters right. as opposed to five. But and, and there's... Among, I don't remember them being that distinct in the sense that, I mean, I know they have different storylines and some differences. But I, no, I never me- mechanically they're pretty similar. Yeah, yeah, that's whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's why on the Vita, the DLC that they came out with is actually really good because one of them you play like like a farmer. Right, right. I remember you telling me one, that a long time ago and me thinking, oh, I need to power through, and I never. Yeah, I want to say it was like a fisherman or something. But anyway, um, so the, you know, the, the storylines and the story, the two storylines in Moramasa, because there's only two characters, they're significantly longer. But just this idea of revisiting. You know stages, um, and and as one character maybe visiting a stage that the other character visited, um, but also um, the food. Like that's my favorite part of Vanillaware games is the food. Like in uh, in Vanillaware, I'm sorry, in Muramasa, it was all this just like fantastic Japanese food, and you know um, just you know you would find the there. I I think you more found the recipes or bought them. I don't believe you had to scrounge for ingredients. I could be wrong though. Um, and then Noden Sphere, you do, you know, you can find, depending on which restaurant you're going to, you can either just buy a meal outright with the Puka coins, or you can, um, have them make food from the ingredients that you have found along the way. Um, so, uh, what, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but what is up with their, it's not an obsession. Well, maybe it is an obsession because they go to the trouble. In your Miramasa, these are like full screen pictures oh, of the dishes. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah, it's I like can, people who I can like picture the shrimp tempura. It, well, it's it, yeah, it's it's like it's the kind of people that like take pictures of their meals before they eat them because they're worried <laughs> about like because they care about presentation and they think this looks right. awesome. Uh, so there's full 2D artwork and it's like full screen stuff in Miramasa. Um, and it's similar in Odin Sphere in that every time one of the pukas comes out with a dish, they've rendered something on a plate. And well, just when they show you the recipe, when you gain recipes. Oh, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like a, like a drawing of, of stuff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they love uh, playing with food. What's up with that? And I don't know, but it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, like that. For somebody like I love food. I'm not a foodie, and I'm, I'm not. I'm a, not sure I agree with that. I would. I might I'm accuse you of being a foodie. I love. Well, I eat some pretty trashy food, so I don't know what the. I don't know if. if 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 I would lose my my foodie card because of the stuff I'm willing to what eat, what causes you to have a foodie card, for instance, is that you used to write a column about food in <laughs> video games. Oh gosh, you're right. So yeah, don't that, eat the food. Yeah. Right. So you are a foodie. But, yeah, but yeah. Like when I when I would play Witcher three, you know, if 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 Geralt was was injured, uh, he wouldn't just eat anything. That, that's the first up. thing in the slot. You wouldn't just go, okay, I well, paired up yeah. meals. I'm like, oh, we've got grilled pork. Oh, we have some nice apple, tasty ale. Okay, we're going to do that. You know, like I made sure that it all went together. It wasn't just like dried fish and nuts or whatever. Yeah, whatever, first in the slot. So. Yeah, my girl so, loads uh, up on water and honeycomb a lot. Okay, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I, I very much appreciate VanillaWare's attack. And I don't know if that's just their thing, like if they just decided to do it in Odin Sphere and then it kind of became their thing, or if they really do like food, or I don't know what it is. But I can't it, imagine it's... that. So the, the name you most commonly see associated with VanillaWare, one of the founders, most of the VanillaWare folks came from Atlas. Uh, yeah. But the, the head of the company, I don't think he was at Atlas. I think he was like at Sega and some other places. His name is George uh, Kamatani. Mm-hmm. And if not George Kamatami himself, at least you know several people there must totally be into food because it's not it's no right. accident that Miramasa and Odin Sphere has this loving presentation of food and right. not just as like collectible pictures. You know, right. this whole idea of cooking something and eating it, especially in Odin Sphere, is super important in, in terms of the gameplay. Right. Uh, now, do they have that in Dragon's Crown? Because I, I don't remember. I don't think so, no. Like in Dragon's Crown, you do pick up just little random food drops, I think. But uh, I don't recall there being much in terms of like alchemy and crafting recipes and things like that. Mm. But again, it's been a long time since I played Dragon's Crown. And I actually didn't play it that long like you. Uh, it, it, like I never finished a storyline or anything. Because I think that Dragon's Crown has two problems. Uh, one is that... With Miramasa, with Odin Sphere, the strictly 2D presentation, you know, nobody, the characters mm-hmm. aren't moving in the background and the foreground, they're just moving up and down and right and left, uh, is super clean and accessible and responsive. Um, the combat is relatively simple, but you're super focused on what you're doing, and the game is super responsive to what you do. Dragon's Crown has that weird, messy... The people move in the background, and I guess yeah, I guess it's yeah, it's not three. I mean, it's two D artwork, but there's three D three dimensions of movement, and right. I find that that moving in the foreground and background, what you call that a Z axis, whatever you call that, really muddies up the uh, like. Sometimes you'll be punching something, and you'll realize, oh wait, no, that thing is standing downstage. Right. Yes. Yes. And yes. that's just a yes. big mess for me in Dragon's Crown, and Dragon's Crown also takes away the focus in that you're supposed to play with a party. Like you have an NPC controlled mm-hmm. or multiplayer or whatever, but it's never it's not supposed to be just you. Right. So you're just a piece of this action on the screen. Everything that's happening pretty much in Odin Sphere or Muramasa is me pressing a button or making it happen. In Dragon's right. Crown there's all kinds of other things firing off spells and you even have to call in in Dragon's Crown, you can't even open a chest on your own. Oh, that's right. You have to you call in your buddy. Come yeah. and do it. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So there's all this other, like, there's this weird sense of, and I hate to use this term, it sounds kind of highfalutin game design theory, but there's this weird sense of player agency not not being as important in Dragon's yeah. Crown. Uh, you're just a piece of the puzzle. So I didn't stick with Dragon's Crown that long, and I don't recall whether or not it had that food stuff. What I do recall about Dragon's Crown and I'm curious what you think about this, is that super-exaggerated, hyper-sexualized artwork. Uh, yeah. How do yeah. you feel about that stuff, Brandon Kukowski-Chanel? Um, you know, I, 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 some of that stuff, I, it, it, that kind of goes, for me, it's very much, um, I can read people's criticism of it and see where they're coming from. Uh, I certainly, you know, I don't necessarily dismiss it, but, you know, depending on the context, it doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, Okay, because so. I, I feel strongly about it in that I love that stuff, and I do dismiss a lot of the criticism I hear about it, because I think a lot of the criticism I hear about it is absolutely misguided. Uh, well, it depends on where it comes from. No. Like, obviously, well, if I read it and they make their point, you know, if it's just like, oh, my God, I don't like boobs, you know, that's, you know, it's got to have weight. Like, they've got to, you know, be able to make a salient point. Right, and I think the salient point that's made about it is often criticizing the industry at large, and I think that's unfair. Uh, Dragon's Crown is... Uh, it, it's it's not unique, but uh, Dragon's Crown is a super exaggerated instance of that kind of Japanese artwork that yeah. is, is unique to Japanese artwork. You don't see that in Western games so much. You do see that sometimes, right. but this whole complaint that women are con- consistently marginalized in video games – here, look at Dragon's Crown – it holds no water with me, considering what strong female characters we have in video games these days. Uh, right. There is this – this Japanese style of artwork that is weirdly sexualized, and Dragon's Crown 
pushes that to this almost R-rated extreme that I think right. gets in with fantasy motifs like you know Frank Franzetta. I was just gonna say it's like a it's like it's like a Frank yeah. Franzetta or, or a, an R-rated John Milius Conan the Barbarian movie in the eighties or like a, a heavy a heavy metal heavy metal magazine. exactly right. And I think there's a place for that. And I think because it exists does not imply that women are marginalized at large in the industry. Uh, right. Because I love you know that that witch character who's got I mean that is some seriously ridiculous decolletage. Oh yeah, and I find that kind of amusing and, and weird, and and it gives Dragon's Crown a lot of its personality, and that also applies right. to the dudes with the ridiculously, you know, buff muscles, yeah, yeah. Like muscles upon muscles upon muscles, exactly, yeah. right, right, and and I think it's it's in that satire exaggerates the points it's making. I think you could argue that Dragon's Crown is kind of satirizing that style of artwork. Oh, I agree. I mean, absolutely. I mean, like the guy, you know, and that's the thing. I think that when you, you know, when you look at the, the the guys, it's like you know, the one guy, the barbarian guy, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's just muscles upon muscles, and then the very tiny little loincloth right. type of thing. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that was a game that I, I think I rented it, and then I sent it back, and then it was free via PlayStation Plus. And so I downloaded it and started playing it again. And I, I didn't get very far. It was the same kind of thing where, okay, you got to have this guy with you. But also it was like, okay, you go, you do this very small dungeon, then you got to go back to town. Well, then nice. you got to go back to that dungeon. <laughs> then you got to go back to town. Then it just that kind of, you know, you, I, I personally had a hard time feeling like I was making progress. It's super grindy, um, yeah. It- whereas Odin Sphere and Muramasa, you know, they, the, the progress just really moves. That's the, yeah, because I think Dragon's Crown lost sight of that great pacing in Miramasa and Odin's Sphere, where you do a combat, and then you maybe have a treasure chest you open, and then you do a combat, and then there's a little rest arena, and then you do a combat, and you do another combat, yeah. and there's a rest arena, and then there's a boss. Like, everything is short and varied and moves quickly. Uh, yeah. And it's not, Dragon's Crown just felt way more kind of halting in terms of, okay, go back to town and tidy your stuff up and then visit the guild and now upgrade your stuff and then go resurrect one of these bones you found. Okay, now go do a three-minute adventure. Then come back. Yeah. So, right, um, right. Because the pacing in Odin Sphere and Miramasa is, I think, just some of the best in video games. It's just so good. It's, it's a great game to sit down and think, okay, I'm going to play this for like ten minutes. And because right. it moves so well and so quickly, you're there for you know a couple hours. Yeah. yeah, in Muramasa, I mean, you would obtain new blades fairly right. frequently. You know, it was definitely one of those situations where you're like, okay, you know, if you don't like the blade you have, just wait ten minutes. Yeah, super generous with uh, with content, both Odin's here and Muramasa. Uh, yeah, Odin's here is constantly rolling out ciphers, and you can look at or not ciphers. Um, Phasons. Oh, very good. See, you got me. Very good. Nice. Yep. You got me on one term. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Are you finding all the hidden ones? Uh, well, so you, when you go to a an area, what are they called? Chapters? The other chapters. Oh, but it, don't chapters have multiple? No, it's acts. Yeah, it's, that's weird. Terminology is weird to me. So yeah, when you go to an, an, an area in a chapter, you can buy the map, and then you look at the map, and you can see where everything is, and you can pick up all the, the phosons and the, the recipes. Uh, you can see what reward you're getting in any given place, uh, unless there's a treasure chest, in which case you have to go and open it, but you know there's a treasure chest there. Uh, early on, yeah, I was going everywhere. Um, but there's also hidden ones, too, that don't show up on the map. I was worried about that. Are you serious? Yeah, so every chapter will have two phosons that you get simply by either completing a battle uh, or, um, uh, you know, maybe going to an area that's not hidden. But then there's also ones that so, some some chapters have three of them and and the th- or, no, sorry. All of them have three. It's just that sometimes the third one isn't hidden, but most of the time they are. Now, and it could be it could be something like in a particular stage, you jump up and you hit a uh, bird's nest and it knocks a key. That's down, happened to that, me. That I've done. Yeah. So that would that place that the key unlocked not have actually because I seem to recall it did show up on the map though. It shows up on the map after you. It depends. Okay. In some cases, a locked door will show up on the map. In other cases, like you might find, like you know how like they have those flowers that shrink you. Yep. Okay, well, on one of Mercedes' stage, she goes through a crack in the wall when she's shrunk, and then if you exit to the right, it then opens up a room. Well, the room shows up on the map after you've been in okay. it, but not up until that okay. point. Um, so that – because when you look at the 
so a, when you're saying foson, a foson is a like a skill or a spell, right? Like that's what they're called. Yeah. 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 Uh, when you look at the screen, the skill tree, if you will, things that you don't have will sometimes have a clue. Like, okay, here's yeah. where you have to go. So that's why I was wondering, because I would look at something and think, wait, wasn't I already there? And I think yeah. it was telling me I needed to go back and explore a certain place or do a certain thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, early on, yeah, I was buying the map. I was getting everything before going to the boss, and then I was beating the boss and going to the next chapter. Uh, now that I've gotten considerably further than that, and I'm interested in the storyline, and I'm sort of realizing the game doesn't push back that hard, at least early on. Uh, no. I've just kind of been moving through to the boss and every now and then diverting to pick up something. Like, I always get the extra storage bags. Like, I feel those are super important. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of times you get some piece of super fruit. Looks like a, like a golden heart with a flower on it. Yeah, those are trial. Yeah, those are trial fruits. Yeah, yep, you want those. Why? Because they permanently up your. They, well, first of all, all the fruit gives you experience. Right. But it also permanently ups your hit um, your hit points. I guess I didn't think and of that. So, right. So it's just like that's yeah, superfoods. I guess. So the trial fruits will will do that. Well, okay, so here's why I guess I haven't been getting them, is I feel like I'm okay with the level I'm at, and I'm fine with the hit points I have. Um, okay. so, that, so the completionist in me would definitely say, go get that. But the part of me that's wondering, okay, let's push this storyline along. Let's see what the next character is going to play like. That part of me is just going through and getting the keys I need and pushing through to the boss. Uh, well, you, you know, the nice thing is, at any point, you can go back right. from, the, from the world map. You can go back to any chapter that you have played previously. Uh, sorry, any act. No, I guess it is chapters and acts. So you can go back to any chapter you've played pre... Whatever. <laughs> uh, now I'm starting to confuse <laughs> any myself. Any level that so you've if, played. Any level, yeah. yeah, that you've missed before, any map that you've gone on before and redo it. And then also, uh, you can... So each character's story is represented by a book that this little girl is reading in her attic I love uh, that with her cat. And yeah. so you can go and put down... You know Mercedes' book and pick up uh, Cornelius's book and go do uh, go do his stuff. And furthermore, you can see in the attic uh, each character's storyline on a timeline, which I find super helpful. Where you can see which events correspond in time to which other events, and you can move a cursor down, and it sort of recaps in text what that event was, what happened in that level, and it furthermore lets you watch the cutscene if you want. Uh, right. So if you do now. Get- now c- can I spoil something a little bit for you? And not not spoil it, but just... Can I say you know, what I think you're going to spoil? Go ahead. So at the bottom of each timeline, there's more stuff, even after you complete a character's storyline? Yes. So I don't... I, I kind of... All right, have you noticed when you save your game, there's a little star? Yeah, yeah, I do know. So I've got two stars, which assume I assume means I've finished two characters' storylines. Correct. Okay. But have you counted how many stars there are? Five stars. No, there's seven what? stars. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's a, so there's seven characters in the game, you're telling me? No. Wait a minute. So uh-huh. so all of these characters, their stories are all intermingling. And right. certain events that take place at the, at the end of one character's story might take place in the middle of another and so on. There's kind of a Rashomon thing going on. Like, this is right. this perspective on this event, this is that perspective. Yeah. So there's five characters, each with their own story. The sixth character, the sixth story, will be a sequence of boss fights where each character will have to do a giant battle. If you do them in the correct order in terms of who fights what boss based on what happened in their story, that then opens up a seventh chapter. Okay, don't tell me anything. I don't say nothing about the seventh chapter. I don't know anything about it. I I don't know anything about it other than the fact that it's kind of like how in... um, Oh, you know how games will have. Well, here's your ending. Here's your true right, ending. Right. It's that type of right. thing. Um, one of the things that kind of surprised me that I'm now thinking, well, I guess the sixth chapter is different. Each character, each book is a self-contained game. Like you never carry over yeah. any of your equipment, any of your experience, nope. any of Nothing. your bosons, any of your food, your potions. It's a. It's locked in that book. So I'm, it sounds like the sixth chapter. You alternate amongst the, like the sixth chapter pulls them all together. Then, because I wondered if that was ever yeah. going to happen. Okay. Although the, the, you do recipes carry over. Oh, you're right. So any well, that's, any yeah. recipe that you've unlocked, you, the traveling chef can make for you. Because I think there's a there's a trophy for eating every type of food now, from the traveling. How chef. does that mean then that the traveling chef is it? Is his name Monty? What is his name? Mont, it's like Montague yeah, or something yeah. like that. 
is he then traveling through time? Because if I play through the Gwendolyn storyline and get to, let's just say they're years, and get to the year, you know, 1900, uh, and say it starts at the year, you know, zero, and then I go back and I'm playing the Cornelius storyline that starts at the year zero, and Monty shows up knowing every recipe that Gwendolyn gave him over her timeline, that implies to me that Monty has traveled through time. Well, he, he, he or she does carry that entire kitchen on... On her back is her back. I think it's so. a dude, and he does appear in this weird interdimensional portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just you ring a bell and poof, there he yeah. is. So he's probably like a time lord. He probably <laughs> look at you, you and your Doctor Who. All right, nerd. <laughs> uh, what is with the little girl in the attic with the books and her cat? Is that from? I I don't know. I my I, I'm guessing, and this is a total guess on my point. I get she's I in my mind she's like a descendant of Gwendolyn. Why Gwendolyn? Why are you picking up Gwendolyn and not Valentine or Mercedes? Because Gwendolyn's more blonde <laughs> than the other two. <laughs> That's right. I guess yeah, the hair color does carry through down genetically. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the cat, the cat is Oswald because you don't like Oswald, so he got turned into a black. And then she changes his name to Socrates. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they, they point out in the in the in the framework you know if you pick up the cat they say it's socrates you want to pick socrates right. you want to hold Socrates. well maybe she doesn't know that that's oswald <laughs> so she named him all this time he's like really Come i can't on. tell you that's not, have... not even the right geographical reason I, I, i'm so dismayed that oswald's the last playable character because he really is such an emo douchebag i don't i have no desire to play him yeah <sighs> all right well at least i'm looking forward to as you called her the little red riding hood cosplay fetishist <laughs> uh, uh yeah that yeah, she should be interesting because it looks like she's carrying a uh, velvet. I called her Valentine. That's the king's name. Velvet's her name, right? Yeah, she it looks like she's carrying um, oh, like those little incense uh, swing oh, right. things yeah, that yeah, yeah. bishops carry. What are those like things? Like if you're called? an altar boy, I think they're called incense braziers or something. Yeah, yeah, but that looks like what she's carrying. But yeah, velvet. That's um, that's the princess that that Cornelius found. Right. With. Now I have a problem with Cornelius. Can I tell you my big problem with Cornelius? You don't like rabbits? Actually, I'm okay with rabbits. And I, I, okay. uh, Talking rabbits who walk on their hind legs, I'm even more okay with. I'm like, okay, that's freaky, that's weird. There's a whole civilization of rabbits. When you find out why they are what they are, I'm like, okay, yeah. that's kind of cool. Here's my problem with Cornelius. I, the guy who does the voice acting for Cornelius is a buddy of mine. He's not English. So I'm listening to my friend Yuri Lowenthal do his English accent. And the whole time I know it's an accent because I know what Yuri sounds like. So the whole time I'm thinking, Yuri, you're doing an accent. It's not tricking me. You're not English. And it just takes me out of the Not with a name like Yuri. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and furthermore, I'm wondering why the hell is he doing an English accent? Because nobody else other than I think Ingwe, nobody else in the game is doing an English accent. And even, even no, and it has a very distinct Scandinavian vibe. Well, Cornelius' father is not doing an English accent, right? Maybe he was sent to boarding school. I guess I guess that could be. Maybe we'll find out later in the storyline. But I'm almost imagining my friend Yuri going into the sound booth and saying, "Hey guys, I think this character should have an English accent," and nobody telling them any better. Or, or, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's my like, problem. Hey. With Cornelius. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, the the. The combat in this game, well, actually, real quick, I want to go back to the food a lot. So the food where you combine ingredients, you can eat food to heal up, you get experience, you grow the food using fosons. Don't you feel, and I'm giving you another softball here, because if you can't answer this, by golly, I will, Brandon. Don't you feel that all that stuff with food is just busy work between you and getting the experience points to level up? Uh, No, because you won't get... The experience points to level up through combat. I mean, if you unless you want to do some serious grinding between chapters, like going keep you know revisiting old chapters and just fighting the same battles all well, over. But you again. do because uh, one of the ways you get fosons is by killing enemies. That's the primary way you get fosons. Right, but in terms of leveling up, right. you get experience what I'm saying is, by why eating not food. Just shunt those fosons into my experience rather than make me go through this cycle of uh, of planting seeds. Growing, watering them with fosons, creating food, eating the food to get XP and hit points. Why not just bypass all of that and just put those fosons directly into my XP um, uh, coffin or not coffin, coffer? 
uh, bucket. Uh, and furthermore, I don't really have an answer the, to that. the coins, the puka coins that you drop, you then later go and cash them in at the restaurants, and that gives you right. XP. Why not just bypass all that and give me the XP? It's just busy work, pointless graphics. It's making me wait for animation. It's terrible, right? No. Okay, it's not. explain. It's Why awesome. not? Well, you know, for me, it's just it's because I already know you don't know the answer, but I want to hear your answer. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I say real quick. I say you don't know the answer. I say you don't know the answer that I know. I mean, I have a yeah. I don't know the answer that you know, but for me, it, it it's one of those things where you know the the food itself it has different purposes. I, th- I think if you buy into, for me, I buy into the whole, you know, doing the recipes and all that stuff. And so knowing that you could use some of the food, you know, that you created, that you you grew for the purpose of making that food. Like if you don't get buy into the food at all, I could see the point. But yeah, I could see going, all right, well, you don't really need any of this. It's just Fozons. But then if it's just Fozons, it's just the same typical kind of XP grindy thing, whatever. They don't even need to do Fozons at all at that point. They could just give you experience and it could be like any other action RPG where you level up level up your skills or that type of thing. But you know, you, by by giving you the food, you know, you you have to choose do I want to use these Fozons to upgrade my next skill, or do I want to use these fozons to make this food, this food that I can then use to get experience, get some health? Um, you know, so there is a bit of a trade-off involved Randy Kikaski, there. You no, know, you do know the answer. Then absolutely, oh. is you have to decide with the fozons: Are you going to raise your 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 uh, no your fo- wait? What did, what are the pink things you collect, and what are the skills called? It's, one's like a phazon, and one's a fozon. I think, I think. Might all be fozons. That can't be it's right. All, it's fozons all the way down. <laughs> well, at any rate, the pink stuff that you pick up, you're absolutely right. You do know the answer. Uh, it doesn't just go to experience to level up. You can either put it to level up, which does increase your stats, I think, somewhat, or you can level up one of your specific skills, which lets you make a specific character build. And that will also right. affect your stats. Like some of those give you defense or attack points. But more importantly, they give you and they improve the specific tools you're using while you fight. So right. it's not a matter of experience points. It's a matter of do I want to use this for a generic leveling up process, which you need to do to match the the game's progression, or how much of it do I want to spend improving the specific tools I like to use on the skill tree. So you're right there. Now, what right. you haven't figured out – or I, now explain to me <laughs> the Puka coins. Why not just give me those experience points rather than make me go – and pick different dishes in the Puka Village at the Puka Restaurant and the Puka Cafe. Well, for me, that it just ties into what the Pukas want the coins for in the first place, uh, which is you know they 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 were cursed, and right. it isn't until they get all the coins that they. Uh, can lift their. So curse. sort of a nar- you're just a narrative reason you think is yeah. yeah for me it's just a narrative thing uh, as far as a gameplay. Uh, I think what it's for, and it, well, well I, the, the gameplay reason I feel it's in there, uh, it is a narrative thing, you're absolutely right, and I like that they, they bring that up like partway through the game. It's like, oh, here's these, these other resources you collect, and then partway through they're explaining, oh yeah, these are important, and you even find out there's one other guy who wants them, they become kind of MacGuffins in the game, I like that. But that is experience tied specifically, and I, it's a different resource I think to help you track it, tied specifically to how well you do in any given level. You only oh, really? get those coins based on the bonus when you finish a level, and, it's, uh, and a oh. screen pops up, and Miramasa does this, that scores That's you right. and tells you exactly why you got how many points you got, and then based on the scoring, it tells you what coins you're going to earn, some of which are just money, but some of which, and I think this is where it matters more, are those Puka coins. Um, do you know I have such a hard time selling them? Because even even if the dish looks amazing, I'm just like, oh. That's six gold coins, but it looks really good. My concern, that looks yeah. like something Justin Bieber would eat and then have a press release about. <laughs> well, wait, then why do you have – it seems like you th- then would want to spend the coins and get rid of them to get rid of I, I am such a hoarder when it comes to potions and things and food uh, and all that stuff and RPGs. I will hoard. Let's talk about that in a second because that's a problem I have. But um, yeah. the, uh, the, the uh, Puka coins, my, my concern – and at first it was downright terror, but now at this point I've sort of gone down to like yellow alert because I think I'm okay. My concern was that somewhere down the line I was going to find out those could have been saved and used for something else. Oh. <laughs> like, hey, you could buy this great equipment. Oh, but you spent it all on food, you idiot. You don't have any more Puka coins. Right. And I don't think it's going to do that to me at this point. 
No, okay. I, I, they, because I mean it's consistent from from act to right. act that you know you can go to the restaurant, you can get some some uh, some yeah. nice seafood salad. So then uh, a, a seafood plate. Uh, with the 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 fact there's this idea that the pukas want their coins back. Uh, mm. Isn't that silly? And doesn't that fly in the face of how you earn these? And that there's got to be an infinite number of these coins, right? Uh, no, I wouldn't think so. I mean, why do you say that? Like, I could just go back and replay missions to... and get coins, right? Um, well, that I don't know because I found a lot of the coins just breaking things. No, that's your regular so... money. I don't think oh, you okay. ever get puka coins just breaking things, and somebody can correct me on that. But I've sort of been looking out for it. I hope I'm not wrong, but I think you only get the puka coins when you are evaluated at the end of a of a of a level, oh, okay. and. Well, I don't. I don't know if you replay a level and you've already gotten a score. I don't know if you actually get scored again, or if you can only get it. Like maybe if you do better, then you get more. I think score, you're right on that. And that way, I think if you were to get an S on every single level, that would then get all of the Puka coins that you could then return to the Pukas. So I'm thinking. Which, by the way, I do have the trophy for getting S on all the level, all the chapters in a particular. Okay, so I have that, and I got it on accident. Unlike you, I bet you probably sat down specifically to get that trophy. Well, once I knew it was there, yeah. <laughs> I actually went to look at the trophies and saw that I had that, and I was like, really? I got an S on every level in, in one of the areas? I had no idea. Uh, well, that gets to the difficulty level for me is that I, I'm a little bit – well, I, I just kind of wish sometimes it would push back a little harder. And as I'm getting used to Mercedes and how differently she plays, that is happening some. But yeah. I am concerned that – because Miramasa can be like this, but you can set it in Miramasa uh, – and I think in Miramasa it's dynamic, isn't it? Like, can't yeah. yes. The better you do, the harder yeah. it gets. I don't think that's happening here. I don't think so either. And I mean, like, like I've gotten fewer A's with Mercedes, mostly because of just sometimes. Honestly, I have a harder time because I, I forget to fly. Yeah. So when she's on foot, she's slower, and and sometimes your score uh, is a result of how quickly you dispatch enemies. Especially those stupid wizards who disappear. Oh, oh that I is hate cheap. Those guys. That is cheap. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the um, but also just I, I kind of forget how she's done, and I, and I feel like I have fewer phazon phosons to level up her skills than I did the other characters. So as a result, I don't feel like I'm as as high powered. It's interesting uh, that you're saying that because I was sort of feeling now that I kind of know how they work and how the leveling works, because when I was playing Gwendolyn and Cornelius, I was consistently several levels above whatever area I was in. Oh, I'm always several levels below. But I'm easy, it doesn't Even matter. Even with the other character? Oh, you're playing on So you set the difficulty, because I don't remember doing this. You set the difficulty when yeah. you start a game? Man, yeah. I forgot what I'm on. How would I check that? And I, uh, I think it's in the gameplay options. I think you can set it at any time. Ew, gross. Are you serious? I think so. Ugh. Does it change the reward you get? with that. Uh, I don't is there know. a trophy for playing on a certain difficulty level? Oh, you know uh, what? I think there is, because I think that's why I was in the trophies. When when you set the difficulty level, I invariably, if I see that I'm being asked to set a difficulty level, first thing I'll do is go check, okay, is there a trophy or an achievement for playing at a certain difficulty level? If not, screw you. I'm just playing on easy. Yeah, I don't know. It looked like all the trophies were hidden. Oh, you know what? You're right. They have a lot, they have a lot of hidden trophies. So, yeah, I don't know what I did when I set the difficulty. Yeah, I don't know what level I'm playing on. Um but I'm finding with Mercedes, now that I know how the leveling works, because as, as Gwendolyn and Cornelius, I was consistently a few levels above whatever area I was in. So that, And that's because I think I was spending a lot of my phosons to grow food and then shunt it into my experience points to level up rather than mm-hmm. increasing my skills. Uh, with Mercedes, I'm spending more on my skills and less on food. I'm hovering right around the same level as everyone else, but I, I'm... I feel like I'm getting to play around more, and this is by decision, in the skill tree. So I, I do wonder, is it also because I have less phosons uh, that I have fewer to level up? Um, yeah, and I don't know the answer to that. But also Mercedes, just the whole movement thing, and the fact that she has to stop and reload her arbalest, I think I get hit yeah. more often. I think you yeah. do too. Uh, yeah. And one of the reasons that I think the game is relatively easy because uh, if you were to look at a stream of someone playing this and all the stuff happening on screen, you might infer 
yeah, there's all these crazy button presses you're having to do, and maybe there's even right. combos. Uh, Vanillaware doesn't roll that way. It's uh, it, it's super forgiving. I mean, you've got a skill, a button to do your skills with combos, but for the most part, you just mash the attack button a lot. And right, and there there is directional stuff though. It's true. Like, I mean, you definitely you need you know the way they show kind of that. I don't want to call it a timeline, but for lack of a better word, so so you've got the main screen, and then up in the right-hand corner, they'll kind of show you more of an expanded, like a silhouette of things to show you where enemies are. You know, that's super helpful to keep your your because you get um, your attack chain as your attack chain gets higher. Uh, depending on there's certain skills you can get that will increase your damage based on the chain. Um, so in order to keep that chain high, you really want to know where the enemies are, and you also kind of need to know what moves. Like when I was playing as Cornelius, like he had a couple moves that I was actually pretty good at getting across the screen, coming down. So you know there is like it's not combos in like a Street Fighter type right. of way, but there is some definitely some positional play that you have to take advantage of if you want to keep that chain as high as you can okay. get it. Okay, wait, what is this chain thing you're talking about? So, you know, like, so when you're you're fighting, you'll see the chain go up, and it'll be like, whatever, X, you know, how many hits before you either get hit or you take two... Oh, oh, balls. right, no, I know, the X, right, right, I know, right, right, okay, yeah. What does that yeah. do? Well, uh, like I said, there is some skill, all the characters, they do have a skill uh, where it will increase the amount of damage done based on the number of the chain. Oh, maybe that maybe I didn't realize that was called a chain. Uh yeah, I think that's what they okay. call it, yeah. Um, but then also um I think that's what they base your rank on. Scoring, right. I definitely know it, it figures into scoring. Uh All right. Well, one of the reasons that I do think that it is more forgiving is that there is blocking in the game. Uh I never I, use the, it. Uh, you know what? You say you never use it, but I'll bet you dollars of donuts, Brandon, you do, because blocking is the attack key. So I oh, right. noticed in Melee, I'm just accidentally blocking from time to time. Uh, it's not like you have to right. consciously block. You have to consciously dodge. There is a dodge key uh, on the shoulder button for me. But uh, blocking will just happen in the in the course of normally attacking, uh, right. especially with a Melee guy when you're just up there. Yeah. Um, so I do kind of wish there was a, a risk-reward trade-off where I could maybe raise the difficulty level for, I don't know, more valuable drops or stuff like that. But then again, I'm also, and you mentioned this before, as an inveterate hoarder because I am terrified that I'm going to need all these things, I just am constantly up against my inventory limit. And at any given time, yeah. I can pause and there's like, you know, 15 different potions I can use. Uh, some of them are great for attacks. And a lot of times I just don't use. Yeah, and I've, I've of late, because it is kind of annoying, and I, I, I like picking things up better than I like keeping them, <laughs> I have gotten myself more in the habit of going, okay, use these potions. You got bones that'll stun enemies, throw them, stun enemies. You know, and I've kind of forced myself to um, use all that stuff. Because, you know, again, going back to what we talked about before, you know, there's there's with the food, um, you know, there's two different types of food. There's the, the man dragons, or whatever they're called. There's like the vegetables that run right, around you slay and the then you can attack yeah, them. Yeah. Right. And so those you can use to make more potions. So, you know, you never really run out of potions. Um, and then, um, then there's the food that you just eat, um, for, uh, health and such. But, um, you know, I'm kind of like, all right, well, I'm just going to use these potions cause I'll just make more of them. Um, and so I've gotten more in the habit of actually using the things that I uh, that I'm holding on to, and then um, you know the checkpoint system though is pretty good. You know, it's, at any point in the map, as long as you've walked past a, a checkpoint uh, on the map, you can warp to it. And a lot of times, the rest areas, you know, they've got yeah. your chest there, so you can drop stuff on. So it's not as bad as like The Witcher when it's like, oh, you can't walk, you you know, you can't run, you can, you know, you can only walk. You've got you know you. So, you know, getting to the somewhere either where you've got a stash or a merchant is a pain. But it is, you know, the hoarding aspect of it. I mean, they, they drop stuff constantly. And that's partly um, why I wish it was a little more difficult and why I wish it would push back harder. And maybe I should just shut up and play on hard. But I, I that's part of it, too, is I, I'm doing a battle and I almost never feel like, oh, gosh, I'm in trouble. I should use something. Actually, I, I felt that. I, I got in a fight. It was one of those trials. Oh was, yeah, uh, yeah. A, with Mercedes and I, I was, I thought I was going to die actually. Well, I've definitely died a few times. Uh, oh, okay. Wait, are you saying you've never died? No, not that easy anyway. 
I definitely know. Either I'm really bad at this game or I'm not playing on easy then. Because there have definitely been at least three or four times where I've died and had to go in and then just let loose with all the potions. Uh, I basically, basically what happens, Brandon, is I'm playing and I'm playing and I'm playing. I never use a potion because I'm just fighting normally. Oops, I died. Okay, I go back in and I do nothing but throw potions. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, poison. Uh, volcano. Uh, freeze defense. Uh, okay, a cyclone. More poison. And then it's over. Yep. Uh, like, because I have so many potions, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, what can you tell me about the storyline? Explain to me what is going on. Do Gosh. you get lost? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, knew, I know some better than others. Like, I guess what it is is I know kind of the individual stories. I'm still – I'm not clear how they, they, they link up with one another other than just, oh, okay, well, that dragon that you fought at the end of Cornelius is, or whatever, the dragon you fought in Gwendolyn's story, here's how it became that. Here's when it got hatched. You see that in Cornelius. Yeah, where he gets his crown and, and stuff. Like, why is there, yeah, why is there a crown on an egg? And then you later find out. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. So, so kind of how it all links together, I am not – even remotely. Okay, let me give you a quiz then. Well, not a quiz. Let me ask you a a question. In essay form, Brandon Kikowski Chanel, explain how all five characters are related to each other. Go. Um, Gwendolyn was supposed to marry Oswald, but then he had to go to the netherworld. I don't. Did she? I couldn't remember. That's what happens at the end of the Gwendolyn thing. Is that her father? And this is from the actual Valkyrie myth, uh, which happened to Brunhilde. Like her father disowns her and and hands her over to Oswald. Like he basically gives her up to be a wife for the rest of her life. Right. Okay, so that's Um, two. Now, Tyrion Elson, go ahead. Cornelius is in love with Velvet, and he was the Prince of Titania. And why is he no longer the Prince of Titania? What happened? And who did it to him? uh, He got turned into a puppet by his brother. His brother. Like wasn't it Cornelius? No, brother? isn't it? I Ignatius? thought it was Velvet's brother, Ingwe. It was Velvet's brother, yeah. And Velvet's Ignatius, right? Ingwe and Ingwe, In- Ingwe, way, and Ingwe is the frog. Hey, that's a spoiler, jerk! I just thought he was the frog. I didn't get to that. Ingwe's the. F- you told me Ingwe's the frog in Mercedes. Wait, what are you saying? I told you. You said to tell. You wanted to know. Oh, no, <laughs> well, Ingwe's not a playable character. Wait, is he? No, English. He doesn't have no. a paper. Yeah, but he's but he's that's but that's how two playable oh, right. characters I did ask, relate. Right. To one but another. I didn't ask you to tell me that he was the frog to confirm my suspicion. Uh, <laughs> he's not the it's frog. Pre- no, it's but. pretty clear it's the same voice actor. So I was so I was either thinking okay, and you find that you you it's established that Ingwe is a shapeshifter, and there's something weird yeah. going on with the frog. So I was pretty sure that either they were really cheap in terms of reusing voice actors, or they expect me to have figured out already that, that this frog is Ingwe. Um, Ingwe's the only other British accent, and not only and he's a British accent because, for whatever reason, it, Ingwe is voiced by James Mason. Next time you play, listen to Ingwe. That's a James Mason impression. Okay. Uh, okay, so you've tied together uh, Cornelius and uh, Velvet. You've tied together Oswald and uh, uh, Gwendolyn. Now tie those two couples together and explain how Mercedes fits in. Okay, sorry. Tie in who now? So there, there are five <laughs> characters you have connected, yep. and you might have to diagram this out on a flowchart. Oh, oh, you okay. You have connected yeah. Gwendolyn and uh, yep. and. Oswald. Oswald, who are married, and Velvet and uh, Cornelius, who aren't married, but I guess they're boyfriend girlfriend. The, the well, he's he's in love with her. I don't know if she's reciprocated it. No, you do. Oh, Brandon Kikowski Chanel, for a guy with a great memory, you sure do forget some things. I watch. I play games while I watch TV, <laughs> and I end up remembering. Neither. You're ignoring the cutscenes. Is what's going on? I bet is you get to a cutscene and then you look up and you watch CSI or whatever you're watching. Uh, I do not watch CSI. Not at the more. very end of, of the, the Cornelius chapter, when, when he's still a puka, Gwen does that's right, yes, thing, like, yes, it's okay, yes. I'll love you anyway. That's right, yes, yes, yes. So, all right, yes. so those two, uh, you've tied together, we now have two pairs of storylines. There's still yeah. one character outstanding, Mercedes, and then how do those two pairs of storylines relate to each other? Go. Well, Mercedes's mom, I know, is like a boss fight for Gwendolyn's story. She's the fairy queen or right? whatever. So Gwendolyn's um, people, just, the the Norse, or I think they're called the Aesir. Right, they're fighting people with, who are the Vanir, the fairies. Right. right. Okay, so that explains Mercedes' connection. Now, how do these two couples, one of whom Mercedes is related to, how do they connect? I have no Here idea. Here is where you have to connect through a doodad or a, a magical item. Uh, 
this cauldron, the whole reason... Oh, that's right, the cauldron. Yeah, see, when right. I remind you, you remember. Uh, the whole reason that the Norse and the fairies are fighting is for control of this cauldron. And this cauldron was used by Velvet's people. Uh, King Valentine was Velvet's father. And he used it for some nefarious purpose that almost destroyed the world. Uh, and she steals the cauldron, or the ring that that's controls right. it, I should say, because she doesn't want Odin to use it. That's right, the Terentier ring or whatever. Yeah, it is. Tintiel or something. It makes the Tintin, Tintin yeah. that Belgian comic. Yeah, whatever its name is. Uh, uh, so, so there you go. So they are all tied together. So that's right. I forgot about the cauldron. That was at the beginning of Gwen's well, storyline. I was on vacation. You're, you're not was, you're you're, uh, you're not watching the cutscenes closely enough. In Mercedes' story, they talk about it from time to time. That's right. They do. That's right. That's um, right. So, and the only reason I could do all that for you right now, uh, Brandon, is because I, I looked it up and took notes before we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> and I did go through the storyline and was looking at the beats and where they line up. Uh, simply because I'm so charmed by the game, I kind of am like, okay, you've got this great, charming presentation. I'm really enjoying the gameplay. I'll pay attention to your story. Yeah, that's right. Where I go. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, what the, the final thing I want to know, what platform are you playing this on? Um, well, I started it on the PS4. So it's a PS4 game, and it's cross-buy, PS4 right? If game. I play it on the PS4, I also get it on my Vita, right? No, it is not cross-buy. It is, it is cross-save. Okay, so there must be super cheap on the Vita. It's probably like if I, if I buy it for like, what is it, like 20 bucks on the PS4, I, the Vita version is like probably like, what, $9.99? Uh, no, it's $40. <laughs> for the PS4 version. For the Vita version, what? I don't Let's, know. How, I don't know how much the PS4 version is. I ran it. Fifty dollars, yeah. Okay, so I started it on the PS4 um, after I finished Uncharted. Uncharted. Yeah, I'm replaying all the Uncharted games because somebody won't play Uncharted Four. Uh, I'm getting there. I'm if it, Od- I, I partly blame Odin's fear. Yeah, I mostly blame you. Uh, <laughs> no, and I also blame Witcher. So I think I have two very good reasons for having not touched Uncharted yeah. yet. So I finished Uncharted 4, and I thought, well, I'll replay all the original Uncharted's. Uh, but then I started Odin's Fear on the PS4. It looks so good on the PS4. It does. And then I was like, well, I'm going to go on vacation, uh, and I didn't want to remote play into my PS4 because, you know, I, I didn't want things to slow down Um with so much stuff on screen, so I bought it on the Vita, and then through the magic of cross-save, I uploaded my PS4 save to the server, downloaded it on the Vita, and that's what I took with me on vacation, and that's I played it there every night when I was on vacation. I've played it pretty much every night since Now, then. you sound awfully cavalier for a, a guy playing a game that you have to buy two versions of separately in an era of cross-buy. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't do a cross-buy thing with it, but like I said, I didn't buy it for the PS4. I rented it. But I understand most people aren't going to want to drop ninety dollars on um, on Odin Sphere. And the reality is, this game will be a PS Plus game on either platform at what? some point. No. Are you Probably serious? Be, yeah. I'm sure it will be. Yeah, at some point, all of the all of the Vanillaware games, Grim Grimoire hasn't, but Muramasa I think was oh. a PlayStation Plus title, and Dragon's Crown was. Probably on the Vita. I don't know if on the PS4. I mean, it may take a while, but I'm sure at some point it will be. I guess I was assuming that the reason that you have to buy them all separately is Atlas knows the marketplace. They know that this is kind of a niche game, that the people who want it yeah, really want absolutely. it. Uh, yeah. So they can get away with it not being crossed by. I mean, the market will bear these things being sold separately, like sure. at that price. And, you know, you're, you're living proof right there. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I can't tell you the last time... The last time I bought a Vita cartridge, I bought Severed. That was the last Vita game that I bought. But in terms of an actual cartridge, I can't tell you the last one that Wait, I bought. Wait, you bought a cartridge version for the Vita? Because I just I got the yeah. downloaded version. Well, I didn't have any room oh, in my okay. memory card. I see. Right, right, right. Uh, so I wanted to to leave I room forget for what, Severed. The, yeah, I don't. I can't remember the last time I put a cartridge cartridge in my Vita. That's weird. <laughs> Me neither. I have no idea. I have idea. a case that has cartridges in it, and every, every now and then when I open it up to... Because I also am playing this on the, the Vita, which it, it's great on the Vita, but I definitely it's so good-looking on the PS4 that I really want to play it out in the living room on the PS4 most of the time. But uh, I open that case, and there's little slots for cartridges, and I think I have, like, uh, like Luminaris and... What's yeah. that, that uh, Zero-G, the chick with the black cat? Open oh, um, Gravity yeah, Rush. Yeah, I have Gravity in there. Uh, and those are, I think if not release games from around the release. Uh, Most of the games that 
that I play in the Vita, I play via PlayStation Plus or I download from the store. And the reality is, like I said, if if it wasn't for the fact that I um, I didn't have a you know, because your memory cards are so flippin' expensive. Um, if it wasn't for the case that the fact that I just didn't have enough space, because I mean, the reality is, it's easier to do that. I had to buy from some weird weirdo third party Amazon seller to get it on time. Well, and as long as you're not playing other cartridge games, you're fine. So you have to swap it out. Yeah, which I'm not. Just put it yeah. In. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, Odin Sphere, this is our Vanillaware podcast, specifically uh, Odin Sphere. Brandon, give it a try now. Let's hear you say the name of Odin Sphere with the proper Scandinavian snap. All right, Odin Sphere, left right. That's more German, but that's <laughs> very good. <laughs> Again, I know this is not J-pop, it's K-pop. Uh, you are German, which might explain why that had a German snap rather than a Scandinavian snap. Right? I am. Yeah. That is true. <laughs> <laughs>